This is brought to you by Needed. Let's talk collagen protein. It is definitely one of my faves from Needed. It is third-party tested for heavy metals and sources from grass-fed, pasture-raised animals. Collagen is so great for pregnant mamas as they need their protein for blood sugar management. I personally love and take it now for the role that it plays in my skin. I have never felt so good about my facial complexion. I also take it to help me recover after the gym. It can help with recovery after birth, surgery, fitness, pelvic floor health, and more. You won't regret adding this to your daily routine. I know I haven't. Get 20% off today by using code VBAC20 at checkout at thisisneeded.com. That is VBAC20. Welcome, welcome to the VBAC link. I am excited to be talking to you today with our friend Windsor. Hello, Windsor. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. She has a story that is not something that we hear very often. We do have one person on the show that's had this scenario, a uh, similar scenario, but actually it was just like her first two babies. And it's actually, so of course it's a feedback, but it's um, twin birth that twin A is vaginal and twin B is cesarean. And then she went on to have a feedback. And so, yeah, it's not something that we really hear a ton or talk about, but Windsor was actually just telling me something that I had heard, but I actually didn't know if that was true. So I'm going to take it because she was told and had twins birth, but um, when they're identical, that there's a higher chance, correct? A higher chance of what specifically happened to me, which was cord prolapse. Yep. I was going to say, a higher chance of having this happen, which would lead to a cesarean and that's cord prolapse. So when baby A came out, there was a whole bunch of room that was created and baby B came, but the cord came first. Mm -hmm. So, and that is a very valid reason to have a cesarean and get baby out. So we're going to share your stories and your VBAC. But of course, we have a review of the week. And this review is from Janelle MB142018. And it says, perfect combination of data and stories. It says, I'm getting ready to attempt my VBAC after three C-sections this month. Yay. It says, I always wanted a VBAC, but my providers were what I know now to be more tolerant than supportive, which resulted in me never getting the chance to attempt a VBAC. I stumbled across the VBAC link and now become a fierce advocate for myself. Oh, I love that. A fierce advocate. That is what we want you guys to feel is that you can be a fierce advocate for yourself through learning through this podcast. Says this podcast arms you with the perfect balance of data and stories. The data has helped me to make a better informed decision and push back when providers and even loved ones at times try to fill me with fear. Says the stories are inspiring and make the data seem real. I know my VBAC is not guaranteed, but I feel like I am in the driver's seat, which is in itself a better experience already. Says I am where I am today thanks to the resource like this amazing podcast. Oh, thank you so much. And, you know, just like what she said, you know, I, a v, I know a VBAC isn't guaranteed and sometimes it doesn't end in a VBAC and that's okay, right? And sometimes it doesn't even end up in someone, maybe they choose to switch their mind and say, I want to 
have an elective cesarean. But what's most important is that you find the information and feel that you have the data to make the best decision for you and your family. And that is what this podcast is for, is to bring you guys the empowerment through these stories, the data, the knowledge, so you can go out and make the best choice for you. And just a reminder, if you haven't left a review, we love reviews. In fact, these reviews, you guys, make it possible for other people in the community to find this podcast. These reviews are so important and so grateful. So if you haven't had a chance yet, please leave a review. You can do it on Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever. We would love your reviews. You are tuned into the VBAC Link Podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. Along with this podcast, the VBAC Link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan. Okay, cute Windsor. I heard that little baby in the background. He's noisy. Oh, I love it. Let him be noisy. (laughs) Those little coos and noises make me so happy. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to share. So excited for you to share. Well, I'm going to turn the time over to you and let you start sharing your cute baby stories. Okay. Well, my name is Windsor. I live in Austin, Texas, and I'm married to my high school sweetheart. And we have four kids. Our first is eight. Then we have twins that are identical twins that are six. And then this new baby that is making all the noise in the background Mm -hmm. will be four weeks in just a couple of days. So he's brand Brand new, still figuring things out. Yes. Um, So I've been pregnant three times and had four different deliveries. So with my first daughter or with my first child, a little girl, I had a medicated vaginal birth in the hospital with my twins. I was medicated in the hospital and twin A came vaginally, as you mentioned earlier, and twin B was in emergency C-section for a prolapse. And then this fourth baby, I had unmedicated in a birth center. So mm-hmm. I'll kind of start with my oldest birth. Um, I had like the picture perfect pregnancy. Actually, my OB was the son of the OB who delivered both me and my husband which was really special. Mm -hmm. So his dad delivered both me and my husband. And then, so we had a great relationship with that OB. He was wonderful. If our daughter had been a boy, we were planning to name him after the doctor. That's how close we were. We just had a wonderful relationship with him. Just goes to show the impact he had on you guys. Yes. But as I'll say, I kind of clouded my judgment a little bit the day that we had her in regards to informed consent. And I'll kind of get into that a little because it did shape my story for this baby's birth like eight years down the road. But so with her, I went into um, labor at 40 weeks and one day. It was very, very, very slow as it can be for first-time moms. When I got to the hospital, I was convinced that she was going to come out at any minute just based on the amount of pain that I was in. And I was two centimeters. Mm -hmm. So it was a long night they wound up putting me on pit and i was able to sleep 
And then about 12 hour or 24 hours from the time that I had my first contraction to the time that I had her was how long I was in labor. So it was about 24 hours. So not terrible, but a couple of things happened that changed this last delivery that I had revolving around informed consent. So they broke my water without asking me. Um, Mm -hmm. They just said, oh, we went ahead and broke your water, which I didn't know that that was something that they could do without asking. Um, They gave me an episiotomy and told me after the fact. What? He said after she was out, he said, I did just go ahead and give you a little cut there and I'm going to stitch you. So those two things I felt a little bit violated after the fact that they didn't ask me or tell me the risks regarding each thing. Right. So when they broke your water, was it like during a cervical check or was it just kind of, and it was like, oh, oops, we broke your water. It said, literally said, I went ahead and broke your water when I was in there. I went ahead. Yes. Like he actually trusted this man, you know, implicitly. So I was just like, okay, well, Mm -hmm. it wound up possibly causing a problem because my little girl had a lot of meconium when she was born. She was covered in it like slick. Mm -hmm. So they suspected meconium aspiration. And Mm -hmm. I had about three minutes with her before they took her to the Mm -hmm. NICU. So I missed that golden hour with her. Yeah. And that was really unfortunate. We didn't have too many breastfeeding struggles, but you know, as a first time mom and missing that first hour with her, Breastfeeding was more of a challenge than I had anticipated. But overall, like when she was born, everybody in the delivery room laughed because I go, that was easy. You know, <laughs> it. my perception of it was that it was a positive birth experience. Right. And so I don't look back on that besides the lack of conformed consent in any way that I needed to like heal from. Right. So yeah. about 16, 18 months later, we... um actually, so she was born in Dallas and then we moved to Northern Colorado. So my next birth was with a different doctor in a different hospital, but we got pregnant in around six weeks. I started thinking something was weird. I was teaching third grade at the time and was having these insane heart palpitations that would stop me in my tracks and make me put my hands on my knees. And I thought something is weird here. Something is different. And I started to suspect it was twins. So when I went in for my first appointment with this new OB at eight weeks. I said, I think it's twins. Can you give me um, like a transvaginal ultrasound to see? And he said, you know, no, I only hear one heartbeat and your bundle or belly is looking normal to me. So I think we're good. It's just one. So I said, okay, well, if I come back and there's two, I'm going to say, I told you so. He said, that's fine. You can tell me I told you so. So went back at 13 weeks. And what do you know? There was two babies in there. Identical. So the rest of my pregnancy, I was pretty heavily monitored for twin to twin transfusion going in every two weeks. And then once the school year thankfully ended and I started doing the non-stress tests and the day that I went into labor, I was 32 weeks and three days I had a non-stress test and they said, everything looks okay, but baby A is acting a little strange. So we want you to come back in two days instead of like a week. So I said, okay, but I wasn't feeling any contractions. Nothing seemed terribly off. Went home, had dinner, went to bed, and something woke me up in the middle of the night. And I sat up, and it was like a tidal wave with my water breaking. Wow. Like in the movies, just whoosh. So very calmly, and my husband wasn't in our room. I think he was out on the TV or out on the couch watching TV. I said, my water broke. Get the baby ready. We got to go to the hospital. We didn't have family there to help us yet. Mm -hmm. It was like 1130 at night. 
So we went to the hospital and they did everything that they could to stop the labor. They put me on magnesium, which was terrible because mm-hmm. it makes you so hot. Yeah. And th- this train was coming no matter what we did. There was no stopping it. So and how many weeks again? I was so I delivered them at 32 and four. So at, okay. when I got to the hospital, so 32 term. And I had they were planning to induce me since they were identical at 37 weeks. So they came five weeks before they were supposed to be induced. Right. So after several hours, I got an epidural because I knew that there was not a chance for me to even try to go unmedicated in case there was an emergency. So got the epidural. We managed to get one of my former co-teachers to come and get our daughter literally about 10 minutes before I told the nurse, I feel like I have to go to the bathroom. She looked down and baby A was coming out like she could see his head. Oh my. There was no, like I, it was so quick. So they literally, we handed our daughter off and they wheeled us so fast. Now, one thing I want to mention is that I had been begging for food since probably 1am. I was starving. And so as they were wheeling me to the OR, tears were just streaming down my face And I was saying, I'm so scared and I'm so hungry that I don't feel like I have the strength to do this. I was just bawling because my stomach was growling so much and I was starving. So we get down there and they had me quickly sign some release that said I would consent to a C-section if necessary. And I signed it and we started getting the rest of this baby out. I mean, his head was basically already out. out Crowning. They turned my epidural down really, really low so I could feel, and I had not prepared at all for any sensation down there, and I could feel everything and was screaming my head off and cussing, and he was born. He was tiny. I've never seen such a tiny baby. He was three pounds, nine ounces, Oh yeah. and they handed him to me in like a little warmer bag. He was literally like a little plastic bag. They put him on my chest. I was looking down at this tiny, tiny baby. And they said, "Um, Windsor, baby B's cord has slipped down and we're going to have to do an emergency C-section. And I don't think I could even process that because I'm looking at this tiny baby and hearing those words. And I think I just completely disassociated. So because of how vocal I was while I was having A, they said, we're going to turn your epidural up. And they turned it up so much that I had to hand off the baby because it felt like I was floating Mm. and they started doing the C-section. And I was again, screaming throughout all that because I had never experienced a C-section and I could feel the pressure and I was just panicking. So baby B was born in between when A was born and B was born. It was 26 minutes. So that I guess that time was them turning up the epidural, trying to get me to calm down. Were um, they holding like cord inside? What they were had they a hand the up okay. with holding the cord in. And during that time, I started telling them that I was having trouble breathing. Now, looking back, I don't know if I was having a flat out anxiety attack or if the epidural had gotten Traveled too high. Up. Yeah, which is possible but, if they turned it up really high. Mm-hmm. But I was panicking and screaming. And what they kept saying to me was, if you're if you're able to scream like that, you are breathing, you know, because mm-hmm. I was yelling and cussing. Yeah. So baby was born. They took both of them immediately to the NICU. A uh, baby two or baby B was five pounds, four ounces. And oh. so that's why they think that they were preterm because there was growth restriction there that they hadn't 
anticipated to be that great. So they whisked both those babies off. Husband went with them and I had to sit in this little room, I guess, while they were weaning the epidural down and I was still complaining that I was having trouble breathing and still complaining that... Sorry if you can hear him. He's eating. That is okay. Really we welcome the baby cues. <laughs> um, I was still complaining that I was having trouble breathing and swallowing specifically. And then being like, I'm so hungry. Can I have crackers? Can I have anything? Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't feed me. Hello, women of strength. Today's episode is brought to you by Needed, the leading women's health supplement brand recommended by nutritionally trained practitioners. Let's talk about lactation. Are you planning on breastfeeding? Or maybe you just had your baby and are looking for some extra lactation support. Well, Needed's lactation support plan pairs three essential products to optimally support your breast milk supply, and it's a great addition to mom's overall postpartum care. The plan includes hydration support, which offers electrolytes in optimal ratios to help replace what is lost through lactation. The powder comes in three delicious flavors, lemon-lime, grapefruit, and lightly sweetened with only real fruit. It also includes collagen protein since an optimal amount of protein is needed to support breast milk supply, caloric needs, and the blood sugar balance. As you may know already, the collagen protein is my fave. Collagen protein can easily be added to smoothies, tea, coffee, and other food and drink. And because stress can impact supply, the plan includes needed stress support, which offers clinical strength, herbal stress, and lactation support Save 20% off your first order of Needed's Lactation Support Plan or any of their perinatal nutrition products at thisisneeded.com using promo code VBAC20. So that was their birth. They were in the NICU for 26 days, which is not terrible for them being eight weeks early. Yeah. And then they came home and were on oxygen for four weeks. And I was able to pump exclusively for them but we never were able to have that breastfeeding relationship on my breasts um i mm-hmm. pumped exclusively for them for 13 months wow good job i had pretty bad postpartum anxiety with my recovery with them both because of just the trauma of the birth the NICU stay and then being attached to a pump plugged into a wall 20 hours a day with a toddler, it was just a lot. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, we wound up moving to Austin and we had a very big gap in between, which has turned out to be wonderful. But I started getting that feeling on my heart that I wanted another baby. And um, so before I even got pregnant, I started planning what I wanted if I were to be blessed with another baby. I knew that I wanted a back first and foremost, and I knew that I wanted to go unmedicated. And so before I even got pregnant, I started the mental prep, watching a million birth videos. That was my prep before I got pregnant, you know, just so that I could see what natural childbirth looked like. Anyways, found out I was pregnant in August and I had been seeing an OB here since we moved here about six years ago. That is not VBAC friendly. So I went in to him for my urine test to confirm the pregnancy. And they said, okay, well, we'll see you again in, you know, however many weeks. And I said, actually, you won't. And that was kind of my goodbye. Like, I'm leaving. Yep. I was like, thanks for confirming what I already knew and see you later. So I immediately set up some interviews with doulas and asked them to share VBAC friendly 
providers in the area, and they both recommended the same practice. I wound up hiring an amazing doula. She has six children that she's all had unmedicated, and she was just Mm -hmm. such a wonderful resource for me. And then I guess about three, when I was about eight weeks, I went and saw this VBAC friendly provider for the first time. And I do have to say from the get-go that I started seeing red flags that maybe she wasn't going to be as supportive as I wanted. Tolerant, Mm -hmm. yes. Supportive. Just like the review today. Yeah, exactly like the review. So one of the things that I was up against was that I was going to turn 35 during this pregnancy. So automatically now I was dinosaur candidate. Yes. And I was old. Right. And I even asked her, like, how is my care going to change when that magical number comes? And she was like, well, we're going to want to monitor you more. Right. So her office was 45 minutes away from our house. And every time I would drive there, I was mentally preparing for a fight. Like, that's literally what I felt like I was gearing up to uh, for a fight with her about whatever it was like declining using the um, glucose drink. I did the more natural version of that. That was a fight that I had to have with her to convince mm-hmm. her that it would be okay. You know, it was just every little thing was a fight and I, she'd only be with me for like five minutes. I'd drive 45 minutes, sit in the waiting room for 15 or 20 or 30 and then see her for five. Mm-hmm. And so I just wasn't, I wasn't feeling like I was going to get the birth I had been envisioning. Right. So around 26 weeks, I sent my doula my birth plan. And it was basically a list that said no, stamped in red across it, like all the things that I planned to decline in the hospital. And then there was a list of things that I wanted to write. Um, And she wrote me back and she said, Windsor, I know that you had planned for a hospital birth. But looking at this birth plan, I just don't think it's going to go the way you're envisioning. And have you thought about going to a birth center? Mm -hmm. And it was like, that was all that I needed to hear. It was like, I needed her permission or something to look into that option. So that day I booked a tour with the birth center. That was like on a Thursday. I was touring it on a Monday and I had fired my second OB in the pregnancy by the following Wednesday. Like it was very, very fast. Yeah. I did wind up going back to the OB once and told her, you know, I'm switching to a birth center. I just am not, I feel like I'm pushing up against a wall with you and that things are not going to go my way. And what she said to me was, you know, I'm a trained surgeon and I can only do what I've been taught. And oh. so I was Whoa. like, okay. So that's my answer because you're yep. even talking about surgery when I'm mm-hmm. wanting to be back. Yep. So I rewind. I forgot to mention this big thing. At 20 weeks, I had the anatomy scan and the growth scan and baby was in the 96th percentile. So we got this fun diagnosis of large for gestational age. And both the maternal fetal medicine doctor and my OB both started saying, you know, if you're going to have an 11 pound baby, I think that you should consider a C-section. And that was pretty much the biggest fight at that point that I was having. Like, no, I believe our bodies are divinely divined and I will be able to birth this baby no matter how big he is. And she just kept pushing. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. And so when she finally made the comment like that she was a trained surgeon, as I was saying goodbye to her, it was just like this weight lifted off of me. Like I wasn't supposed to be here in the first place, you know, so switched to the birth center 
and immediately felt at ease with the midwives there. I brought up the large for gestational age and they're like, do not worry about it. You will be fine. You can birth the baby that you grow. And so that was so comforting to me. So, yeah. So I guess now I can get into talking about his birth. Yeah. Um, I was 32 or 38, sorry, not 32, 38 weeks and two days um, when I went into labor. And my husband and I actually had a really good friend in town from New York. And he was staying at his parents' house about an hour and a half away from where we live and wanted us to come and spend the day there. And I was like, yeah, this baby's not coming. Like, let's do it. And my husband said, stop. I don't think that's a good idea for us to travel an hour and a half to go see this friend like when you're this far along in your pregnancy. And I was like, I, I, it's not, it's not going to happen tonight. It's not going to happen tonight. And he was like, just in case, let's have him come to us. Like we have three other kids. He has no kids. So right. we wound up having him and his girlfriend and his parents come and we went out to dinner with them and had a great time, came home. It was on a Sunday night, put the kids to bed. And for some reason I was like, I want ice cream with a butterfinger, which was a very <sighs> weird craving for me. And my husband even was like, you want a candy bar? Like, what? I don't know. The body wants what it wants. That's what I needed at that time. So we get in bed and turn on a show and I'm laying there eating my ice cream. And at one point I get up and I'm like, that's weird. My pants feel wet and not like a mom that's had three other kids like wet, but right. like pretty wet. wet. And so I was like, hmm, that's odd. And I just kind of changed my clothes and got back in bed and kept feeling like dampness on the mattress. And so I'm like, what is, am I just laying here peeing? Yeah. Because when my water broke with the twins, it was a tidal wave. So I just thought I was peeing myself. At one point I went to the bathroom and I was like, I had read somewhere that amniotic fluid had a different smell. So I like uh -huh. pulled my pants Sweet down and smell. I sniffed my undies and I was like, that's not pee. So I told my husband, I said, I think my water is dribbling, but I'm not sure. And he was like, well, okay, so are you, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't know. I want you to go to sleep, I think mm -hmm. is what I want you to do. So I was like, at this point, it was almost midnight or a little past. I was like, you go to sleep and I'm going to figure out what is going on here if, if it's my fluid or not. So not much longer. So I left our room. And not much longer after that, I was standing in our kitchen and I like involuntarily felt a ton of fluid come out. So I was like, okay. Water breaking. This is definitely my water. Yeah. For sure. So I went and put on a diaper and I was like, here we go. And I had been so nervous the whole pregnancy that I would feel scared in labor just because of what had happened with the twins. Also, we're 45 minutes away from the birth center and I had a lot of fear in my head about getting there on time, but I was just so calm. I was like, this is happening. This is the day that I've been waiting for. Let's do this. So between like midnight and one, my water was continuing to flow. And at about one, I had a very small bloody show. And so I called my midwife and told her and she said, okay, I wasn't having any contractions. She said, I want you to go to bed and go to sleep. Yeah. And I wanted to say, lady, that's not going to happen. Like I'm excited. Yeah, I, it's so hard. Yeah. I, there's no way I'm going to be able to sleep. But I did try to lay down and probably by two, my contractions started up. And at that point, it was over. Like there was no way I was going to be able to sleep. So I was bustling around. I unloaded the dishwasher. I packed my kids' lunches. I took like three showers. 
And every time I was in the shower, I was just visualizing what was going to happen once we got to the birth center. I was very like picturing the whole thing. And I was just, I felt calm and such peace. At one point I went out on our street and was curb walking and did the mile circuit all by myself. I was just totally, I didn't want my husband. I didn't want Mm -hmm. to call my doula. I was like, I'm just going to let both of them sleep because I don't need their support right now. I can do this. Finally, around 5.45 a.m., things were picking up really quickly. And I called the doula and I said, it's happening. Don't come over. We will meet you at the birth center. We will call you when we're leaving. And she was like, okay, go shower. I was like, I've already showered like three times. No more showering for me. So in between 5.45 and 7, we got our big kids down, packed for school, got them down to our neighbor's house. I was doing all kinds of things, bouncing on my ball on all fours, just trying to stay comfortable. And around seven, my husband said, listen, I think we need to go because we're going to hit traffic. And I don't think I was completely ready to leave at that time, but I was like, good point. We don't want to be stalled out in the car and go through transition or something. So we got in the car at seven. I was so concerned about him. I was like, you need to eat breakfast. So I made him stop for breakfast tacos on the way to the birth center. And I was like standing outside of the car, holding on to the side of the car and like moaning and swaying. People were probably wondering what was going on. He got his breakfast tacos and we were off and we hit terrible traffic just as he had anticipated. So I had my labor playlist going. I was singing and holding on to that handrail in the car and just breathing through my contractions. And we got to the birth center at about 7.50. So from door to door, it was just about 45 minutes despite the traffic. They checked me when I got there and I said, do not tell me if I'm anything below a four because that will discourage me and I'll get inside my head. I don't want to know. They checked me. I was five centimeters and 100% effaced. And they're like, we can feel the baby. It's go time. Go sit on the toilet. And so my doula and I went into the bathroom and I sat backwards on the toilet and that is where I went through transition. And oh my goodness, that was interesting (laughs) to feel that for the first time. I was sweaty and it was just, I was not getting any relief. And I kept saying to Peggy, my doula, like, they're not stopping. They're not stopping. It was just contraction, contraction, contraction. Mm -hmm. So finally, I moved to the birthing tub, which I had really envisioned a water birth, like the entire pregnancy that I wanted to birth in the water. And I was just at that point, I had entered like a different realm of consciousness. Like I had studied hypnobirthing. So I was going, doing all the hypnobirthing stuff. And I got into the tub and I was in there for probably about 15 minutes when I said, I need to push. And my doula was not sure that I was really there. She said, like, are you sure? And I was like, girl, go get the midwives right now. Like, I am ready. And they came and I pushed in there for probably about eight minutes. I birthed his head in the tub. And then the position that felt comfortable to me was one of my legs, like Chris, like flat, and then the other leg up. So, on my bottom with one leg crossed in front of me and then the other one hiked up. And so I birthed his head like that, but was not really progressing from there. And they, Mm -hmm. so they wanted me to get out of the tub, Mm -hmm. which was fun with a head sticking out. Yeah. I was going to say that's going to be interesting. Yeah. But so I got out of the tub and like waddled over onto the bed and got on all fours and had two contractions on the bed. And he 
he was born and it was crazy. And the first thing that I said when they handed him to me was, you're not big at all because he Uh, just felt so small to me. And I had been so scared after that seed had been planted that he was going to be a monster baby um, that I think I was just shocked that he was so little. And then the second thing I said is I looked up at my husband and I said, oh, my God, I did it. I mean, I was just completely in awe of my body that I had done that. And um. Yeah, so he had a double nuchal cord and there was never any panic about it at all. The midwife said he had the longest cord she had ever seen. So I'm just like, that nuchal was a blessing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's protective against prolapse. And yeah, he was just perfect. He was eight pounds, one half ounce. So completely normal size, not Mm -hmm. big. And it was just the most beautiful experience. We left four hours after he was born. We're like, we're ready to go home. And we were back in time to pick up our older kids from school with a new baby in the car. Wow. Yeah. It was just wild. That's something that I loved about being like when my out of hospital birth, it was like, okay, you go home now. And it's like, I get to go to my bed. That sounds delightful. Yes. And there's not people coming in and out all night bothering you. It was just like me and my baby and the big kids coming in and out, you know, every once in a while. But it was like, it was just so wonderful. And it was, it truly was such a healing experience. There was no fear. There was nothing traumatic about it. It was just healing. And it was so empowering to know that my body could do that you know I was just it was like out of this world experience and all my births were beautiful but this one was just so impactful and I'm so grateful that I got to experience it like that oh I'm so grateful that you were as well and I'm so happy that you were it it's hard because I don't ever want to say like change providers change providers as in like a bad thing right like we love our providers. They're all great, but they're, it's not a one size fit all. And they don't all meet our standards or our wishes or our desires. Right. And it's really hard when you recognize that. And then some people feel stuck. Mm-hmm. It's hard to change. It's hard to make that change. And I mean, you went back and kind of like, okay, see ya, peace out. But you don't even have to do that even if you don't want to. You can just go to a new provider and request your records, right? But like, it's really hard to do. So I'm so glad that you were able to, one, follow your heart, trust your gut, and do what you felt was best for you in this birth. Because yeah, there sounded like there were some red flags there, right? And and if you're listening and you're hearing red flags or you're feeling red flags, know it's okay to switch. And you don't have to switch out of hospital. You could still stay in the hospital or go to another provider, but it's okay to switch because I mean, like you, you switched. I I switched at 24 weeks uh, with my VBAC after two cesarean babe. And I think back and I was like, I I really don't know if I would have had well, one, I know I wouldn't have had the same experience, but I don't know if I would have had as healing, as redemptive. And as peaceful of an experience or even a vaginal birth for that matter, if I didn't follow my gut at that time. 
Right. Yeah. And I thought about that a lot. Like even if I had had the exact same labor experience and had stayed in the hospital, the time from the time I got there to the time he was born was two hours. But if I'd been in a hospital, so much of that time would have been them forcing me to get an IV, them, you know, taking my temperature and just doing all of that triage stuff. Whereas at the birth center for me, I was just able to labor in peace alone with my husband and doula. And mm-hmm. there was nothing that that raised my adrenaline to cause me to slow down. Whereas if they were like putting an IV on me, putting the belly monitors, I know that that would have stalled me out in the hospital. So I was just grateful that, you know, I didn't have to go that route this time. Yes, absolutely. Well, huge congratulations. Thank you you. so much for sharing your story. (laughs) And yeah, it's just, it's so important to walk away from a birth and feel confident and comfortable and at peace with the Mm -hmm. outcome, right? And we know it doesn't always happen, but if we can do things to advocate for ourselves and and help that happen, let's do it, right? We, you matter enough. You matter enough to take care of you and do what's best for you and your baby. Yeah, and it's like everybody always says healthy mom, healthy baby is all that matters. And of course, that's true. You want healthy outcomes for both mom and baby, but also like I want to feel positive about my birth experience after the fact. I want to feel empowered and I really, truly wanted like a redemptive experience this time, as you said. Yes. Those things were important too. Yes, exactly. The whole healthy mom, healthy baby thing, I literally can't stand it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, duh. Yeah. Of course, no brainer there, but like, healthy mom, healthy baby, good experience, positive outcome. You know, those are really still important. We can't forget about those because we, we do, we do hold on to these experiences, whether we remember every detail or not, they are happening to our body. It's happening to us. Right. And if we have someone come in and just do Hey, let's talk about the first birth, right? Like just do things without your consent. It doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to leave us with a positive experience. Right. And I mean, this time was the first time out of three deliveries that I got that golden hour with my baby and our breastfeeding relationship has been so easy. I mean, he latched 15 minutes after he was born and just that hour where we just laid there and I just stared at him and was like, that's who was in there this whole time. You know, I mean, I hadn't had that before and it was magical. It truly was magical. And I'm so grateful that I was able to finally experience that. Absolutely. Well, huge congratulations. I'm so happy for you. Your baby is absolutely adorable. (laughs) I know they can't see your baby, but I can see your baby. And I love babies so much. So huge congrats again. Thank you so much for sharing and inspiring. And, you know, these stories, I I really so wish that I had these stories. And I'm so glad that we have these opportunities to share these stories for the listeners out there. Yes, it makes all the difference to be able to hear the positive stories. Absolutely. It really, really does. So yeah. thank you so much for having me. <laughs> thank you. Interested in sharing your VBAC? Head over to the VBAClink.com slash share to submit your story. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, 
the VBAC blog, the worldwide database for VBAC doulas, and more, head over to the VBAClink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.